Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. read something to you from the Bible. How about that? Can we read from the Bible? This is Psalms 144. And this is from the uh, the Passion Translation. So I'm going to try to read it with some passion. Okay, ready? It says, there's only one safe, strong, safe, and secure place for me. It's in God alone. And I love him. And that was really good. Except that now I'm going to read actually the chapter I meant to, Psalms 145. <laughs> Psalms 145 goes like this. My heart explodes with praise to you, God. Now and forever my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and you are worthy of the highest praise for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and the miracles of your majesty are my constant meditation. Is that good? It's got a little bit more. Let me turn the page here. Michelle's got a new Bible that... Huh? It says, your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. He says, I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Our hearts bubble over as we celebrate the, fr- the fame of your marvelous beauty, bringing bliss to our hearts. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. You're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it. And you're very patient with people who fail you. That's good news. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone sees your goodness, for your tender love is blended into everything that you do, everything that you've made with praise, filling its purpose, and all your godly lovers will be found bowing before you. They will tell the Lord of the lavish splendor of your kingdom and preach about your limitless power. They will demonstrate for all to see your miracles of might and reveal the glorious majesty of your kingdom. You are the Lord who reigns over a never-ending kingdom through all the age of eternity and time. You are faithful to fill every promise you've made. You manifest yourself as kindness in all that you do. Weak and feeble ones you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame you will lift up. You have captured our attention in the eyes of all who look to you. You give what they hunger for at just the right time. When you open your generous hands, it's full of blessings. Satisfying the longings of every living thing, Lord, you are fair and righteous in everything that you do, and your love is wrapped into all your works. That's good. You draw near to me to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially with their hearts are true. Every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for. Isn't that good? For you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them through your saving strength. God, you can watch carefully over all your lovers with a bodyguard, but you will 
destroy the ungodly. And I will praise you, O Lord, let everyone everywhere join me in praising the beautiful Lord of holiness from now through eternity. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Father, we just bless you tonight. We love you. We adore you. We praise you. We magnify you. Lord, you are good. And you are all that we just said in that psalm. And you are so much more. And we just thank you, Lord, for your never-ending love. And we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. To you we give all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, good evening. And I think we're being joined tonight by River Church and uh, everyone here. Say hey to River Church in Tuscaloosa. River Church is a, is a great church pastored by great pastors, and they are great people. I've been privileged to minister there a number of times, and they have some of the best people on the planet. So if you're in the Tuscaloosa area and you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church home, you ought to go to Highway 69 and find Pastor Billings at River Church, and the people there, it'll bless you. It'll change your life. So we're glad that you're listening tonight. We're glad that we're all together, and we just want to minister, uh, I think, a life-changing word. It's something that I believe that uh, <clears throat> as simple as it may be, and when I say simple, I think uh, I love Revelation as much as anybody does. Don't you like Revelation? When the God shows you things and reveals you things and you get those ah moments and like wow moments. But sometimes you know what we need is not the ahs, we need the basics. Because you can get away from the basics and forget how things work. And uh, Brother Hagin always talked about we need to, from time to time, always go back to the ABCs. He called them the ABCs of faith. And, and uh, someone said, well, if we're not in the ABCs, where are we? He said, you're in the D, E, and S. And they said, what's the D, E, and S? He said, you're deep, electrifying, and, man, you're far out. So <clears throat> I'm going to go back to some ABCs tonight. But this is a message that everyone needs to connect to, whether this is your first day in the kingdom or this is your 50th year in the kingdom. And so I want to just read some scriptures to you tonight. If you're turning with me in your Bible, I'm going to go kind of quickly and because uh, i got a number of scriptures and for sake of time, we can't turn to all of them, so I've written them down. But Matthew 9.35 says it this way. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and he healed every kind of sickness. <clears throat> He healed what? Every kind of disease, and he healed every kind of sickness. There was no disease, no sickness that was left out, and it said he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's what you and I are called to do now is, is to preach the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of church, not the gospel of our denomination, not the gospel of whatever great-grandmama was. No, we have the good news to preach, and our, and our good news is Jesus. And the good news is there is no bad news. Isn't that right? You know, who, who can offer you nothing but good news all the time? You ever heard someone say, well, I got two things to give you. I got the good and the bad. Which one do you want first? You've heard that, right? Well, tonight I got two things to offer you, the good and the gooder. Which one do you want first and the goodest? Don't check my English, please. Yeah, so the good, and it just keeps on getting better. Well, anyway... The next verse of Matthew 9, 35, the next verse 36 said, He saw the multitudes, he, and he was moved with compassion on them. Compassion on them. Tonight we're going to talk about compassion. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about the gospel of the kingdom of God and how, how, how ecstatic that God is to do for his people. 
you know, the, the, the Lord doesn't love any of us, but he's in love with us. You know, there's a difference. You know, I'm married and I'll be married in a couple months, 35 years, and I love everyone, but I, I'm in love with this woman on the front row right here. And it works better. If you do it another way, you're going to get yourself in lots of trouble. But anyway, I, I, hear, I see here that, that everywhere Jesus went, what moved him to action, the passion that he had, what, the, the why behind it was because he had compassion on people. And, it said they, and he saw that these people, that they were fainted and they scattered abroad. They were sheep with no shepherd. So we see in the study of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Lord's complete willingness to heal. Would you say that with me? Jesus' complete willingness to heal. Now, how many times is Jesus willing? All the time. Is there any exceptions that he's not willing to heal? Uh, and the only thing we could say about that is we'd have to know what the Word says, right? Can we find a place where he ever said, we don't do that today? Or we take Thursdays off? Or we, we're doing diseases A through K, and we'll pick up with L you know, through Z tomorrow. No, he healed anyone who would come to him, and uh, he turned no one down, did he? Even people that uh, did not even have a covenant with him because Jesus came as a prophet of the law uh, between the old covenant and new covenant. And there were some people there, the, like the Syrophoenician woman. She came and, and the and disciples said, you got to go away. Can't see the master. And she wouldn't go away. She was passionate. She said, I got to see Jesus. I got to get to him. And uh, so she, she got in there, and then he says, well, I've only called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, uh, and uh, they were considered Syrophoenician. Their, their, their names were dogs. And he says, he says uh, you know, the healing, which is the children's bread, belongs to, to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And she said, yeah, but dogs even get crumbs. Now, that's revelation. So Jesus said, well, your faith is great. And I shared this in Tuscaloosa last week. Faith is right now, and God doesn't have yesterday, doesn't have tomorrow. In Tuscaloosa, I didn't minister that here yet. But she moved by her faith. Because God knows no beginning, no end. You can't measure him. You can't put him in a box. And you can't get a tape measure out and say, this is where he starts and this is where he ends. So that woman, by faith, which is right now, she moved herself out of the old covenant into the new covenant. And she did it by faith. Amen. And they said it better in Tuscaloosa last week. Amen. But anyway, that's all right. They're, they're, they're catching up with y'all here. And so uh, <clears throat> we see this in his, in his earthly ministry that he was always willing to heal. I think it's Acts 10.38. Don't turn to it. It says, we, he, Jesus went about doing good. See, I told you I had good news. He went about not just doing, he went about doing good. And he healed all that was oppressed of who? The devil, not God. All that was oppressed of the devil. And so he was everywhere, and everywhere he went, he was always moved with compassion, healing everyone that had a need. Now, that's a, that's a gospel to preach. That you don't ever meet someone on the street or in the workplace that you have to wonder, so I got some good news, but I'm not sure if it's for you. And then we'd have to go pray 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes and say, can I get your number? Because it looks like you have needs, and I'm going to go and ask you, and your name is Joe Bob. And I'll ask the Lord tonight if Joe Bob can be healed, and if it is, I'll get back with you. Wow, what a gospel that would be. But we can right there on the spot, right on the spot, we know that they qualify. Thank God, because Jesus qualifies us. Now, in the scriptures, and we won't go through the Greek and Hebrew, we don't have time, but the word, um, uh, uh, without almost any exception, the words compassion and the word mercy is the same word. 
the, it's a different Greek word than it is a Hebrew word, but the definition, whether it's an adjective or a verb or a noun, most of it, is co- it coincides one with another. So when you're talking about the mercy of God, you're talking about the compassion of God. It's almost interchangeable every time. And so to have compassion is to, and this is the Greek definition, to have compassion is to love tenderly. So remember, we're saying that he moved with what? Compassion. So this is what it means. Jesus, he loved people tenderly. He had pity on people. He showed mercy. And I love this last one. That means he is full of eager yearning. Full of it. Of eagle yearning. Now remember, we began over and um, reading out of Psalms 145. And it talks about the, the, the mercy of God and, and the love of God. And he's, he's disposed to show us great favors. Why? Because it's his nature. His nature is just to love. Why? Because he's love. So concerning in that, in that, in that text in Psalms, um, if you want to go back and read it again, sometimes Psalms uh, 145, it'll talk about this. And it'll talk about how the Lord is disposed to show you mercy and compassion it's just his nature it's just who he is he wants to be tender with you he wants to be kind to you he wants to help you and if you need help tonight he wants to help you more than you ever wanted help we have to be careful in word churches because thank god for what we do know and what we have learned and what we've we've come and we glean from the word but sometimes we're we are on the knowledge side of things, and we forgot the lover part of it. What I'm saying this is, it's like if you was uh, building a, uh, maybe you have a front porch, your back porch of your house, and maybe you know you have the hangs over, and you you have a column or two. Or you, uh, well, if you have a porch, you better have more than one column, because it won't stand that way. And so, if it had two of them, and I would like to just make a parallel. One of, the pile, uh, one of the pillars that undergirds that, that holds the hangover, and you have to have that on the corners of each one, don't you? You have to have a pillar just to hold the hangover up. And one of them, if we were talking about, in what we're talking about tonight, one would be the promises of God. And we have, we have hundreds, if not thousands, of promises in this word, don't we? And so one of the, one of the pillars of strength would be that pillar that says God said this and God said that and God did this and through Jesus this belongs to us and so we've come to know a lot of things that we've been taught uh, very well by many teachers of what, what Jesus has done and what he's done in us and who we are in him what we've had the least amount of teaching on and it might have hurt us more than, than anything is we've had a, a smaller amount of teaching on the faithfulness of the one who said that the faithfulness of the one who gave the promises. So we know the promises. And we can quickly say, you know, the word says this. My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we can say, by his stripes I'm healed. See, all, all those are promises. Thank God for them. But have we ever took a, the same amount of time to study out to, and to get to know someone intimately of the one who made the promise? How well do you know the promiser? Do you know the promiser as well as you know the promise? See, that's where it all hangs right there. 
See, it's one thing to know something about someone, but to know them, you can turn on TV and you might know, well, this, uh, you might can tell me who the actor is. You might can say, well, that's John Wayne. Well, did you ever meet him? Well, no. Well, then what was his favorite, what was his favorite food? Well, I don't know. But we could all quote some lines and we could try to walk the way he walked and some of his mannerisms and we could pick him out of a lineup, but did we actually know him? I mean, you, you know who the President of the United States is. You've known this man for years because he's a businessman. But have you ever met him? I mean, I, I can't say uh, we don't know his favorite meal because I understand it's McDonald's. <laughs> so, 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 so for being there, he, he loves Happy Meals or whatever. So, But do we really know the one who promised us all these promises? And that's, that's life-changing. Because if you don't know the one who made the promise, then it's hard to put trust in someone you don't know. You can read the verse that says trust in the Lord, but you can't trust in someone with all of your heart that you don't know. If I were to come to you and say, look, if you'll just, if you'll just uh, give me all your life savings, I have a really good friend that will, can take this and invest this money for you and they can, in, a, in six months to a year, just double your income. And so I just need you to give me all your money because I want to help you. Well, I don't know. Even me, I don't think even you knowing me would be willing to give me everything you know. You'd say, well, who is this guy? Well, he's just a great friend of mine I know. I just need you to hand it all over and I'm going to help you out. Well, I, I'm thinking you're probably going to want some more information. I'm thinking you're going to want to meet this guy who's so wise, Right. You're going to want some inside information. You're going to want to know some of his clients. You're going to want to see, you want to want some reviews on this guy who can double or triple your income. Is that right? So this guy may have great ability. He might be able to do everything that I'm saying that he can do. But the thing is, you don't know him. And if we don't know the one, and all we do is quote, God said, God said. And a lot of times as as ministers, and, and, and you don't have to be a minister to do this, I've, I've, and especially word people, you, you know, we're, we're ministers. Some say, well, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that. And they might say, well, yeah, okay, that's right. And what you're doing is you're telling them your case is covered. God can help you with this because he said, I'll do this, and he said, I'll do that. And they might mentally agree with you, but, but perhaps they don't know him like you know him. See, we're supposed to believe that he's a rewarder. Of those that seek him. You can't believe he's a rewarder unless you really know him. So God is disposed to show us great favor. Why? Because he loves us. We're here just because he loves us. Can you imagine that God wanted a family? And the family is in right now two places. Ephesians says God has some family in heaven with him and the rest of the family is on earth. And one day we're all going to come together. That'll be a fun day. And we'll be there for eternity. So <clears throat> we... Uh, we're talking about the faithfulness of, of the one who said these things. So it's, it's his nature. And if, and if God is anything, if God is anything, uh, more than anything else, he's love. That's what he is. And so nothing, I believe, will inspire faith in people for the impossible to believe for their need to be met. Or nothing will inspire their faith or take their faith to a greater level than to minister the love of God to them. It's, an, it's, 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 it's will take them from this place to a higher place is to tell them how much he loves them. Show them how much he loves them. 
show him his goodness and his love and his tender mercies and kindness. So faith will begin to rise when we do that. See, it's not what God can do because we know God can do anything. I mean, is there anything out of his realm of ability? But see, we don't, we don't receive based on what God can do. Our, our receiving the promise is not based on God's ability, is it? So a lot of, a lot of people, and I'm thinking about someone, you don't have to turn there because I'm just going to read uh, three verses, but in Matthew 8, I was studying that this morning, it says, Jesus came down from the mountains of great multitudes and they followed him. And there was a leper. And they worshipped him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now this man, either through what he had seen or what he'd heard, had knowledge that Jesus of Nazareth could heal any type of sickness or disease. That demons were being cast out. He might have heard that he multiplied fish and loaves and fed thousands of people. He might have heard that he walked on water. Uh, no doubt he's probably seen some things. So he's not questioning God's ability, but he's not sure about his willingness. Now, sometimes we need to go back and say, I know God can do this. See, we've all had sermons, but we've had more sermons about God's ability and God's able than we have God's ready to get involved in this. God's ready to change this because God is in love with you. Right? God's in love with you. And so Jesus should answer answered the question, or Jesus took the question mark out of the way. He said, I know you can, but I'm not sure you're willing. And Jesus forever removed the question mark from that place where he said, but are you willing to help me? And, you know, Jesus didn't carry it out to some long I mean, this, you know, it, didn't, it obviously didn't take any more verses. He answered in two words, I will. I'm willing. I want to help you. I want this leprosy to be gone. I'm glad you came to me with your problem. I can't wait to help you. That's good news. And that's the gospel that we preach. So, so we don't receive based on what he can do. And, uh, so, and so a lot of our modern-day teaching or theology uh, comes much from the, our present-day you know, teaching that magnifies the power of God more than it does the willingness of God. Would you agree with that, that we probably hear more about this is what God can do and this is what he's done and his ability to do this? And I looked at these Hebrew words and he's got these names and this name means this. And it may, see, all, all that's great information. All that's great revelation. But I've met a lot of people before in my lifetime who could have helped me, but they didn't want to. Hmm? Now, I want to ask you a show of hands. You ever passed anyone on the, on the side of the road that had a flat tire? Or they had the hood up and that was there saying, I need some help. And we've all seen someone pass them. <laughs> someone we might even know. So have, have you not ever had someone who could have helped you in your time of dilemma, but they just weren't willing to, for whatever reason? I'm not saying that they should have, but I'm just saying... Everyone's ability does not equal, you see, their want to. And that's, that's the one thing I want, I want you to get across tonight is just remember this, that, that whatever God's able to do, he's willing to do. God's ability will always equal his willingness. That's probably a good 
title if you need a title. God's ability is synonymous. His ability is synonymous with his want to. He wants to. There's never a time that he never not wants to. There's not a time that he ever says, not now. I mean, I grew up in a church, maybe you did, that says that sometimes when we pray, God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. But that's not scripture. That might equal your experience, but, but because we haven't been trained properly and we didn't, we, we didn't receive as we should have. And so <clears throat> God's willing, God's able. And so <clears throat> more than his exceeding greatness, remember the scripture says that it says his power and his ability is more than the exceeding greatness of this power to us who believes. Remember Ephesians talks about he has this great power, but it's, it's, it's to usward. He channels his, his ability to usward to bless his people, to bless his children. It's all of the ability of God is pointed towards you to change your life. He loves to prosper his servant. You know, it says, let them shout for joy who favors my righteous cause, who loves to prosper his people. Amen? So the Bible reverses the order, and it magnifies the willingness to use the great power more than the power itself. Nowhere in the Bible, I haven't found it. If you find it, you let me know, and, I'll, and I will tell the people I missed it. But, so if you, if you find this, you let me know. But I've never found a verse that said God is power. See how word people think we're we're putting it into our computer that and thinking, no, 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 there's gotta be some <clears throat> is God powerful? <clears throat> Does God have power? Is he power? But that's not the scripture, is it? No, it didn't say God is power, it says God is what? God is love. And thank God that he is love. So it's not faith in his ability, but faith in his love that secures the blessing. First John four tells me, he says, I think it's First uh, John four sixteen talked about the love of God rescuing me, and then it told me to believe in that love. Believe in the love. It didn't say believe in the power. I mean, we, we, we've got a whole Bible to see what God can do. See, it doesn't work for the devil. Why? Because he doesn't have the love of God in him. What do you mean? Well, Galatians 5 says, faith worketh by what? By love. The devil can't receive because he don't have love. He has no love. But the love of God has been shed abroad in your and my heart by the Holy Ghost. So we can receive because he's a love God and we're love children of a love God. His love's in our heart. It's his nature to give. It's his nature to love and it's our nature. Amen. So when it comes to a situation, a hard place, he tells you, he says, now, don't fret because of this situation. I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Now, just believe in that. Believe in what? See, sometimes as word people, we're trying, I'm, try, I'm trying to believe for my healing. Well, uh, why don't you stop it? Why don't you just start believing about the love? See, if, if you believe the love, you'll get the healing will come automatically because of the love. I got a friend of mine, uh, and he's been hadn't been here for a few years, but um, um, his whole message is just the love of God. And he said, he told me, he said, Eric, I've, I've never in my life ever preached a healing meeting. He said, I never had a meeting. I never preached a. He said, I don't have one sermon on healing. And I said, well, that, well the, I said, well, you have a lot of people get healed in your ministry. He said, lots of them. 
I said, so what do you preach? He said, I just preach the love of God. As soon as I preach the love of God, it finds hurting people out there, and he just can't wait to get to them to get them healed. So what he does is he just takes a shortcut, right? Because love just looking for its way to get to you. Amen. So nowhere in the Bible, once again, does it say that God is power, but God is love. Scripture tells us to be rooted and grounded in what? In love. Scripture didn't say be rooted in God's ability. Huh? You, you remember how the Scripture talked about that the devil knows this stuff and he knows it's true? And he trembles. But he can't benefit from it. Because he has no love in him. The scripture talked about in Ephesians to know the love of God. And we'll never know all of it. We'll be through eternity experience it. Because he says you, you, you can't get to the height nor the depth nor the breadth of this love. It's so expansive that, that, that you can't find the east, the west, the north, and the south of it. It's just nothing but the love of God. If, if it were an ocean, they can't find the bottom. If it's the sky, they can't get up there. It's, that's just how deep it is. So you can study about power, and we do study about power, and thank God for power. But I'm telling you, the power source or the source of the power is the love. And so it's, it's fueled the power of God, the authority of God. The willingness to do this is because of his love. So we've heard many more sermons, I think, about what God can do and what he has done than we have heard about the willingness of him to do it. That's just my thinking. So that Psalms 145 said he was greatly disposed to be gracious. So we don't receive, on the, we don't receive anything based on his ability. We receive based on he's a gracious God. He's a loving God. Faith in God starts. Us having faith in God starts with these three simple things. One, we must know his will. His word is his will. Secondly, what we're talking about, we must know that he's willing. It's one thing to know what the will is. But then we find out he's willing. Isn't it, isn't it good when you find someone can't help you and they want to? I mean, if, if you had something that you was really, I helped somebody for a few minutes move today. And I said, I can and I'm willing. And the willing part made them really happy. Huh? And then, and then we put faith in that. Now let me read you a few more verses. And you can just listen and if you want to turn to This is the Living Bible. This is the original Living Bible. So that means it's still living and breathing. I would not just, anyway, Matthew 15. I love these verses uh, in this translation, in the Living Bible. Uh, <clears throat> so whatever you have need of, if you have a physical ailment or you have a physical need, I want you to hear what Jesus did for a group of people. Now, you have to know these people aren't word taught. Matter of fact, they're not even saved. Matter of fact, they don't know the Greek and Hebrew of anything concerning healing. Jesus hasn't died yet. Nothing actually belongs to him. They weren't even believers. Some of them not even sure who he is. Some of them thought he was just a good man because someone said he was. Someone said, well, he's a prophet or he's a rabbi. He's whatever. Jesus didn't hold anything out because they didn't have the whole thing figured out yet. God's not waiting until you get all the revelation to release something to heaven and say, boom. We're not trying to get under. We talked about Sunday. We're not trying to get under the portal. Huh? We're not trying to get under the open heaven. Under, hope, the, under, the, under an open heaven, that's you. 
you're the open heaven. We're not trying to find a portal. Dude, you are the portal. Why? Because you're what you're the conduit it flows through. Someone's looking for a hole to get under the portal to get something out of the spout, and, and you're it. Tag someone, tell them you're it. Now, Matthew 15, let me read a few verses, 29 through 32. It says, Jesus now returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill. He sat there, and a vast crowd brought him their lame, their blind, their maimed, and those who couldn't speak, and many others, and laid them before Jesus, and he healed every other one of them. No, I'm sorry. No, he healed, he healed them what? He healed them all. Next verse is, what a spectacle it was. I want you to see this. Now, the, the, they're bringing all these people. I don't know how many, but there's a lot of people here. Lots and lots of people. And so <clears throat> the scripture says, we got lame people here. we got blind people here. They're maimed. Those who couldn't speak and many others. And they just laid them before Jesus. And they said that he just healed all of them. Notice he didn't give them an essay to fill out. Notice he didn't ask them questions to make sure if they qualified. He didn't ask him, you know, did they have faith? He didn't ask him, had they sinned that morning? He didn't ask him, had they been to church? He didn't ask him, did they tithe? And if they did, on the gross of the net. None of these things that he asked him. These were sick people. Remember, he was moved with compassion. They just laid hurting people before Jesus. And, and, and the love of him just went straight to them. And he healed every one of them who had need. Isn't that good news? So, so the next verse, verse 31, says this, What a spectacle it was. Those who hadn't been able to say a word before were talking excitedly. So I guess they were mute. And those who were, are you listening? I like this. Those who were missing arms and legs got new ones. See, if you're, see, if you're maimed, you've, you've lost an arm or a leg or a foot or an ear or something. So they brought the people who had parts missing. So it says, and those who were missing arms and legs, they left that day with a new one. The crippled were walking and jumping around, and those who had been blind were gazing about them. Can't you just see it all the blind people? They're like, whoa, look at it. <laughs> maybe the first time they saw someone, maybe, or maybe they lost their sight for a few years, and now they're seeing people they've never seen or hadn't seen for a while. So you can imagine what a spectacle it was, just blind and maimed and some guy that with his crutches, you know, with missing an arm or, or, or a foot or a leg, and now one just grows out in his place. Wow. And said, so then all these people started jumping around. So it must have been a charismatic church. I don't know. And those who had been blind were gazing about them. The crowds just marveled, and they praised the God of Israel. Isn't that good? In verse 32, said, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, and now he's healed the people, but I want to include this last verse. It sounds like it's taken a turn, and it is here, but now these people have been traveling with him for a few days, and they've had this great meeting where the love of God has, has just been exemplified and multiplied over and over and over again. And everyone's excited and people got new limbs and people who are blind, they can see if they were deaf, you know, they could hear those who couldn't talk, you know, could talk. And maybe some who talked too much got shut up. I don't know, but uh, that might even be a blessing for someone. And, uh, but here it said, verse 32 said, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I pity these people. They've been with me for three days and now they have, they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. He's already done a lot for them. 
right? In other words, you know, <clears throat> I mean, this guy here just, he just got a new leg. That ought to be enough for today. He said, but he's been around three days. He said, I don't want to send him away without, you know, without, a, um, without food. He needs to be nourished. And so he said, I don't want, him to, I don't want these people to leave here hungry. He said I, 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 he was afraid that they would faint along the way trying to get back home. And so they said, well, what are we going to do with all this? Well, this is where he fed the 5,000. He took a, a two-piece fish dinner and fed thousands of people. Wow. Is that compassion? So we see the power of God on display here. But more than that, we ought to, we ought to go back and say, well, but why did he do this? Anytime you see a display of something, we should, we should always check the motivation of it. I mean, what fueled this thing? I see what you're doing, but why are you doing it? Because he loved people. He loves his people. <clears throat> so I think we've been taught very well, once again, on, on the promises of God and thank God for it. But I think we need to be taught more. We need to meditate more on the one who promised it. That's the other pillar that holds up the porch. Faithful is the one who promised. We know the promises, but faithful is the one who's making these promises. So <clears throat> I like to say it this way. And we only got just a few minutes, but uh, he said, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to say it this way. I, I would rather believe the Lord wanted to help me and couldn't than think that he could and wouldn't. Now, I know the Lord is able, and I know there's nothing outside of his possibility, but, but it, it'd be better for me to think I'd rather believe that the Lord wants to and just can't help me. I mean, there's been people I wanted to help, and I just wasn't in a position that particular time to do it. I'd, I'd rather believe that you was willing to help me than know that you could and you wouldn't. Would you agree with that? Yes. So, <clears throat> once again, leave here just and, and remember God's ability. God's ability equals his willingness. Whatever God's able to do, he's willing to do. Um. <clears throat> Micah 7, 8 says that he delights in mercy. He takes delight in it. That's, that's a step beyond the Lord is a God of mercy. Well, he is. But not only is he merciful, he delights in it. Even something maybe even a little bit more stronger than that. Maybe Micah 7, 8 is a little bit tame. And so Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Not perfect people, but their heart towards him. They know he's a loving God. A God of tender mercies and loving kindness. He removes our sin as far as the east from the west. Psalms says, he said, the righteous cry and the Lord hears that he hears them. Every time you've spoken, he heard you. Even when you thought without speaking, he heard you. He knows your thoughts. But every time that you've ever spoken to the Lord and cried out, the Bible says, and you're the righteous, he says, I heard you. Daughter, I heard you. Son, I heard you. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears them, and he says, and I deliver them. I'm coming to deliver them. Amen. Hebrews 2.17 says, For in all things it behooved Jesus to be likened to his brethren, that he might be a merciful, compassionate, and faithful high priest. we got a faithful high priest. We have a merciful and a compassionate high priest. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we, not, for we have not 
a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all of our points tempted just like we were, yet without sin. The CEV, the next verse, verse 16, in the CEV translation says, So whenever we are in need, listen to this, whenever we're in need, we should come bravely to the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved grace, and there you're going to find your help. So you have an invitation to come to mercy. You have an invitation to come to undeserved grace. You have an, un, you have a, an invitation to come to the throne of God to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So we know, we know what God's able to do, but it equals his willingness to do it. If you're here tonight and you have sickness in your body, well, God knew it before you knew it. And God knew you was going to have this situation long before you knew you was going to have this situation. Sometimes we have it all over our mind how this is all going to work out. Well, i got to be in some service, and it's got to be this way. And, and the minister or pastor has got to be super anointed. He's got to be sparking with the anointing. I mean, he's got to be able to you know, walk in the air, and he's got to be able to do all those things. You know, the Lord doesn't even really need me or, or anyone else. Huh? See, I'm not the healer. He is. And, uh, and so he's, he just uses us. We, we, we're just... We're just obliged and, and thrilled that, that he uses us in any capacity, yes. right? And the reason he does it is because he wants to help his people. The Lord is your help. He's your shield. He's your strong tower. And so healing doesn't come from a man. It comes from our God, and he just uses men and women. We're just extensions of his love. And so I, sometimes I used to tell people when, when we was teaching on how to be led by the Spirit, I would say it this way. I said, what is love? Not God. What is love leading you to do today? That just, that just makes you stop a little bit and think. Say, now, what did you ask me? I said, what is love, not God, what is love leading you to do today? You say, well, I don't know if it's God's will. Well, here's a simple test. Does it bless you? Will it bless someone else? Will it help someone else? Will it move them further? Will it bring increase or decrease? Increase or decrease? Well, if it blesses you and blesses them, then I'm telling you, the love of God's in it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't ever need to pray about it. I mean, if it's uh, the scripture said, if it's in our ability to help someone, He said we should never withhold. Sometimes we think, well, I only have three of those. Well, they have none. And sometimes we're a little concerned. If I give away one or two, I'm only going to have one. What am I going to do then? Well, you're going to have sowed. You're going to have to put seed in the ground. So you, you can't go to the feed store and get corn, but be afraid to put it in because you say, well, if I put it in the ground, I won't have it in my hand. No, but you'll have corn. You're either going to have to eat corn this way or you can eat it the better way on, on, on the cob, right? But you can't ever have a harvest of something you're not willing to sow. So if a man has two coats, give one away. That's a lot easier to obey in August than it is maybe in December or January, but you understand the principle of the whole thing. So we have a loving God. So if you're here tonight or those watching uh, by way of Facebook or listening at another time uh, to uh, the audio of this and whatever country that you're in, I want you to know that God's able. But he's more than able. He's willing. Jesus died because he was willing. 
He was able to lay, lay his life down, and he was willing. You know, anyone's, anyone's able to die. All you got to do is shoot them. Right? So anybody can die, especially if someone helps them. And, uh, and, uh, but that doesn't mean that we're all willing. We're not going to all sign up for that, you understand? But Jesus was willing and able. And he said, I, I have the ability, the power to lay my life down, and I have the ability to pick it back up. So his life has been picked up. And he went down far so you could go up high. And so there's no need leaving here tonight. There's no need leaving where you're from right now with sickness and pain in your body. So in Jesus' name, we would just stretch your hand towards God. And just uh, let's just thank you. Father, we just bless you tonight. You're so good. We love you and adore you. We thank you for your, your ability. But we also thank you. We thank you so much more that God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. Thank you, Jesus, that you was willing. Oh, thank God you was willing. You could have called on heaven's angels and they would have been in a, there in less than a split second and would have rescued you from Calvary. You took my place. You took our place. And you stood in for us. And for what I deserved, you took for me. And so, Father, I just thank you tonight because you are a compassionate and a loving Savior and a loving, loving God. We just thank you, Lord, for everyone tonight that's here. No matter what the need is, whether it's healing or whether it's emotional, Father God, whether it's physical, maybe it's in the financial realm, whatever the need may be, you are easily touched by the feeling of our infirmities. You can identify with, with where your people are. So if, they're, if they have need in any one of those areas, any area of their life, you're ready right now. to, and, I, and we know that the finished work of Jesus, he's already done these things. And so they are to be received by faith. It's a finished work. We understand that. So this is not something that we're trying to obtain that you haven't done. This is what you already have done. We just want to remember that you're willing. You're willing. You're, you're disposed to show favors on our behalf. So in the name of Jesus, I just, I just speak your healing power right now over, there, over everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching, and I declare they're healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I command healing to flow into their body, to that place that's sick or diseased or it's not functioning properly. I command sickness and disease to leave your body in the name of Jesus. Be loosed and be healed in the name of Jesus. It is so, it's so, it's so. Amen. God is good. God is good. Well, I hope the word blessed you. And I hope it blessed those in Tuscaloosa. Praise God. What a great church.